What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweated Out Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We're going to enter a really cool space, a space that's creating a lot of buzz, a space that a lot of people know about, a space that there's a lot of trending stuff going on in. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of everything being poured into this, and also a place that a lot of people still don't know a lot about or have or have dipped their toes into. So we're going to have fun with this. Um, he is a music artist, first off. He's the first ever crypto punk rapper, made nearly 200K in 60 seconds. Help us welcome Spotty Wi-Fi. What is Let's up, go. brother? Look at that. Look hey. at that look, man. Let's go. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. Dude, it's Thank a you, brother. pleasure to have you on here. And, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, making your time. And I once again, I got to appreciate the, the look that you got going on today. Hey, thank you, bro. You know, I gotta, I gotta stay true to myself. You know, I'm straight out of the metaverse, so I, I like to keep it. Um, I like to really embody my my punk. You know, when I can on hey. online digitally. That's it. Embody it. So let let's talk about that a little bit. So, is 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 this something that now it's embedded as part of your 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 everyday brand now? When you when you walk around, it's because I see it's the crypto punk rapper everywhere. So this is you've embodied this completely. Um, yeah, man, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I am doxxed. So like, you know, if you Google me, you know, you could, you could, you could learn about my background, you know, my, my government name, things like that. Um, but you know, spotty, the character that I built is, is definitely something that I identify with. You know, I, the reason, the reason I bought this, this particular crypto punk and not another crypto punk is because it has like medium skin tone. I felt like I could relate to that. You know, it wears a baseball cap. I could relate to that. And it has these spots on its face, which make it kind of rare. Um, not that I have like spots on my face, but I wanted a punk that I could kind of relate to physically, but also have something rare about it. You know, mm. uh, there's 10,000 total crypto punks. There's 124 that have spots. But I felt like this particular one was overlooked. Other ones with that had a rare trait like that, they would sell for a lot more than what I paid for this one. And so I just felt like I could relate to the idea where we all have something about ourselves that makes us unique or makes us an individual and the rest of the world might not love it. The rest of the world might say, oh, I don't want spots on my face to represent me online or that sort of thing, you know. But that's just what makes, to me, that's what makes my punk rare and and i feel like i've been overlooked for things in my past or i've had people point at me and say like oh this dude is weird or this dude's goofy because he's into nfts or he's into making a cartoon rap character and it's like man that's just me so that that's how i personally relate to spotty and i think that's how a lot of people might be able to relate to this character so i got two questions number one how are you doing this on the computer uh right now and then the second one is are you exclusively rapping in the metaverse so the first question I use, uh, this is a snap lens. Like if, you, if you go on Snapchat and you see the lenses where you can make yourself um, look like you have rabbit ears or look like you have a mustache or whatever, you know, um, or like, you know, look like gir girls use it or anybody who use it, look like they have a glow or, uh, you know, the, look like they have makeup on. It's that same technology. It reads my face. It reads my, my mouth movements. And, um, so I, I'm literally using a Snapchat desktop app. There's a Snap camera app for your, for your desktop. 
And I could do the same thing on my phone. You know, I could go into the Snapchat app, make Snapchats, things like that. Uh, do I exclusively rap in the metaverse? No, definitely not exclusively. I mean, that's the reason, that's the main reason why I came out and, and doxed myself, you know, because I want to perform live in front of people. And I, as a, as an MC, as a rapper, I take that very seriously because um, a lot of people might expect that like, oh, he's a metaverse rapper. So he probably doesn't put on a good live show IRL, you know, and, and that's something I take a lot of pride in like dispelling when people come to my shows. I have a lot of people that come up to me after a show and they're like, that was actually good. <laughs> or that you can actually rap. It's like, thank you. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you know, like, that's like low key. That's low key kind of tells me what you thought beforehand. But, um, but so my first album, my first album, which I put out in August, that was like a concept album where I'm rapping from the metaverse. I'm rapping as this character, Spotty Wi-Fi, from the perspective of being in the metaverse. But now my new album that I'm working on is like Spotty crossing over into the real world. You know, so my first album, my first single from the album was a song called All Time High with Bun B, who's a legendary rapper. And we had a music video where I'm IRL is my, my human face, you know, and we, we've done a lot of shows together and things like that, promoting this album. And so, and I'm working on a comic book where I kind of tell the story visually of how Spotty crosses over from the metaverse into the real world. Very interesting. So let me ask you, cause you know, the music industry is not an easy industry and I know, I know it's a tough, tough journey for a lot of people, a lot of, you know, and, and only a few make it. So when you've separated yourself apart and, and you're really taking on the, the, now the, the role of spotty Wi-Fi, have you seen a big shift between when you were doing music before to when you're doing it now with the character you've embodied? Um, I've seen, yeah, a few shifts, you know, number one, I would say, uh, the number one thing I would say is like, uh, just, I have, I have an audience, you know, I, I had a built in audience when I decided, when I decided I'm going to take my crypto punk and make a rap character, a rapper persona out of it, make music telling this backstory that I've created for my punk. I instantly had an audience of a few thousand crypto punk owners that were in tune and like, Oh, let's see what this is about. Right. Cause they'd never seen anything like it before. Um, as NFTs became more popular over the course of last year, that few thousand turned into, you know, tens of thousands of people that are like in tune or, or they're, you know, I, I'm connected to them online, that sort of thing. Um, so that's number one is like having a built in audience is a big thing that changed when I, when I took this approach. Uh, the other thing I would say is just the cult pop culture or just cultural icons kind of embracing the concept. You know, when I decided to do this, I, nobody was doing anything creative with their crypto punk, really. You know, there, there was no crypto punk comic books. Uh, Adidas wasn't partnering with a crypto punk. Um, all these things were for foreign. There weren't any bored apes yet. Like, when I put out my first song as Spotty, the Bored Apes hadn't even been announced yet. Wow. So I was doing something that was kind of nobody had done it before or, or, or seen it before. Um, now, in the past year, or we'll call it like 14 months, you know, you've got 
Timbaland has a bored ape as his alter ego uh, that he calls Congo. And he started a production company just for bored apes that want to make music. Snoop Dogg owns Death Row and is and is called it the first major label of the metaverse. Snoop Dogg has an alter ego, which is a bored ape named Dr. Bombay. Um, and I, you know, I've, been, I've worked with uh, the Death Roads team, been on a few of their mixtape NFT mixtapes that they put out. Um, you've got Universal Music Group has signed a licensing deal with four board apes to create a group called Kingship. You know, so just these these big players in music that all of a sudden this thing that I did back and started doing back in April of last year, and it was really novel and new, and a lot of people called it a gimmick or thought it was just goofy now it's like okay well more major artists grammy winners multi-platinum artists they're entering the metaverse and 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 i'm here already you know so You're that's the first that's, adopter so listening to you i think the industry is obviously going through a shift and i don't know i'm just you know just thinking right on top of my head but it's interesting the concept that you're doing because you could be doing a live event and then doing a virtual event and then you're also doing a metaverse event and then as an entrepreneur, as an artist, now you have three different ways to create revenue for yourself, which I don't know if they're, if they're even doing that because that would be pretty dope. You know, think about as an NFT owner like yourself, you're, let's say you have um, like private access and you bring people in the back and then the NFT world, they do the same thing in the metaverse. You can charge them as well. So there's a lot of different opportunities to make money here. You know, now that I'm listening to you and, and hearing you out, is that something that the industry is looking to get into? Or are they already into it? Bro, this is to me probably the biggest opportunity, the most immediate and sizable opportunity of the metaverse right now. It's like gaming and music. Video gaming, that's a no-brainer. We all understand, like, that's a huge metaverse opportunity, right? And video gaming, video gaming is way bigger than cinema or music in terms of the revenue that it brings in as an industry. So that's, that's number one is video gaming. But I personally think right after it is music. Um, you know, think about the, the Travis Scott concert in Fortnite, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that that's, that's like a, to me, that's kind of a watermark moment or a landmark moment to us where we see, um, we see an immersive experience, uh, a super dope concert, and it's all digital. It's all in a sort of metaverse, right? Um, I just read a stat that two thirds of two out of every three American kids between the age nine and twelve play Roblox. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, the the young people are in tune with this already. This is not like a thing they need to be educated on how they could be entertained by by art or music or video games in the metaverse. Um, so anyways, yes, this is something I'm super thinking about. Um, I think Yuga Labs is clearly the number one company in NFTs right now, right? And they own the CryptoPunk IP. They own the Board Ape Yacht Club brand. And what have they leaned into? They've leaned into music in a major, major way. I mean, they're like 
I don't know his exact title, but they signed Gaio Siri. Gaio Siri works with them or for them, you know, drumming up business and helping with strategy. Gaio Siri, who is that? Well, he manages Madonna and U2 and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, who are the number one influencers that Bored Apes are becoming popular with? You know, it's like Future, Lil Baby, you know, Justin Bieber, Madonna. You know, it's, it's like... And of course, actors and other celebrities, but it's like DJ Khaled It's all these, a lot of, a lot of musicians, you know? So I personally think gaming is one a in terms of metaverse opportunities and music is like one B. And I personally think I'm very lucky and in a fortunate situation where I was early. I'm, I'm doing it at a level that I think is pushing boundaries and I'm doing it with a crypto punk, which happens to be something that Yuga labs, uh, is highly interested in, you know, seeing do well. So I, I, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. So Spotty, let me ask you something, man. Cause I think, you know, the NFT space is a really interesting space as long as followed the crypto and metaverse space. But, you know, you saw early on when NFTs came out, everybody came out, wanted to do their own NFT projects and try to become a blue chip um, NFT like Bored Apes, Crypto, you know, all these other ones. Um, and then you're seeing now lately there's a lot of failed projects. There's more failed projects than there is blue chip um, or successful projects. And you're seeing a trend of that going on. But what you're doing is different. And my question for you is, do you see more upside in the future going into Getting a, 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 a um, getting an NFT that already works. It's a blue chip, something that's already it's already established as a brand, and now you own that specific NFT. Now you can turn it into your own brand because you own it the same way that you have it with Spotty Wi-Fi. Do you see more upside in the future going with that? That's be, that being the future of how you handle NFTs is more ma- making your, your getting your NFT and turning it into a brand, into apparel, into this, into the other stuff, versus you creating your own NFT project and trying to have success with it. I think I think that right now we've we're just scratching the surface of what an NFT can be or what an NFT will be in the future. You know, I think right now we we stumbled sort of into this era where profile pictures are the dominant sort of NFT collection, right? I mean, it's literally the the biggest utility of if, if you if you looked at like all nfts and what are they mostly being used for right now certainly the most popular ones are mostly just profile pictures you know pfps so i think then using using the intellectual property to say i'm going to create a backstory i'm going to create a full body rendering and, and show you what this pfp looks like in the metaverse to me that was just a natural extension of what we stumbled into with the pfps because the crypto punks were sort of you know a lot of people call them the rookie card of nfts one of the earliest nfts and they're they're a profile picture project you know or that's how people use them does that mean that I think this will be the dominant use of NFTs that people will buy into a brand like the board apes, hoping that they're buying into the next Disney? Um, I don't think that will really be the dominant use case necessarily. I think we're just scratching the surface. I think that there are going to be a lot of billion dollar ideas that come out of NFTs that we can't even imagine yet. And, and probably profile pictures will, will look back as though this 
This was like the cave people drawing on the walls. You know, this was us learning and experimenting in the very early days. It's crazy because I, I think the government's ready to pour into us. I think they're just trying to wrap their head around it because think about it. If you create NFTs of social security cards, instead of giving a real card that can be stolen or manipulated, you give them an NFT of somebody's social security number, which it's an interesting concept because then you, you know, you can change your avatar, you know, maybe the government can control it, but then it, you got to think about it. Cause it, one thing that concerns me about the metaverse, and I talk to Anthony about it is I, I, I don't know. It's like picking the, the, the worst of two evils, but I don't know how I feel having Facebook or Microsoft being the ones dominating the, the, the metaverse, having these corporations, right? It, it, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's a little bit, there has to be something in there. Because then is it really free? Because we're, we're, we're basically going to be owned by them. Well, they, they already own all the data. Yeah, they own the data. Right. Uh, okay, I have a lot of thoughts on this. You know, first off, I agree with you. Social security cards, uh, you know, health records or, you know, um, licenses, diplomas, all sorts of things are going to be NFTs. I really think anything that you would get a paper receipt for nowadays, eventually you'll have the option to get an NFT for it because that vendor or that merchant that you're shopping with, that gives them the most efficient sort of opportunity for a loyalty program or a rewards program that they could ever imagine, you know? And as a consumer, I would rather give you a wallet address than give you my name and my, 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 my uh, postal address and all this sort of demographic information to sign up for a loyalty program. I'd rather just give you, here's my wallet. If I want the, the wallet can be anonymous and now you can reward me for shopping with you as much as you please, you know? Um, so that, that's one thing. Um, and then I, f- I forgot where, where the, where you took the conversation after that. I got, I got so inspired by no, no, no. Yeah. no. And, 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 I, and I like it too, because as there's a lot of data, data mining is a big thing and right. privacy is a huge issue. And we can talk about that after this one, but what, um, and that's actually a good idea that you brought up about the privacy and the anonymous. I didn't even think about that, but talk, I just spoke about briefly about what your thoughts on having a consolidation of the metaverses with Facebook, right. Microsoft yeah, and these companies, meta. man, I think that it's not, it's definitely not ideal. You know, these companies, like you said, they, or, or, or what I took, or what I think about when, when you ask that question is these companies like Facebook or meta, we are their product. Our attention and our data is their product. You know, um, the, the potential of the metaverse, the potential of web three is where we can, we can sell our own data if we want, you know, we, we, we can, we can be paid to click on ads instead of Facebook getting paid when we click on ads, you know, that, or or we can get paid to engage with content, play to earn, you know, learn to earn all these different concepts are revolutionary compared to where we're at in the mainstream right now, because right now, Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter, they get paid when we learn on their apps. They get paid when we, when we play on their apps, that sort of thing. And that is the, up, that, that's, that's what's up for change and ripe for disruption right now. Um, I don't think it's great that Meta is going to be a huge player in the metaverse um, in terms of our data privacy 
because obviously they've shown us they don't care about our privacy, right? Um, it reminds me of, and my wife always reminds me of this scene in, uh, what's the movie about the metaverse? Ready, uh, player, Ready one. player One. Yeah, yeah. In the movie, and I haven't read the book, but in the movie they, they talk about, you know, we can fit 90x percent of the screen with ads before people start to have a seizure. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's like their measuring stick, you know, and that's how it is for real at these web two companies. It's like, how many ads can we put on a page? Um, and it's going to be the same thing when they, when they build a virtual world, but where, where I'm going with this is there's not going to be just one metaverse, you know, there's going to be a lot of metaverses and there will be, more decentralized metaverses where people can choose to to hang out and play and conduct business. And that's going to be the great competition. I think uh, of the next several years is like meta versus Yuga Lab versus the other side and Yuga labs versus whatever else springs up. I also believe too, like, you know, maybe you can uh, shine some light on here, but I also believe that, you know, we're only, th- we, you know, we only look at the metaverse for being in the actual metaverse world, but I think they're also going to bring the metaverse to the real world. I think you're going to have more of like Pokemon Go style stuff where you can hold up your phone, you can have glasses, and you're actually seeing virtual stuff going on in the real world outside. Um, same thing, like you're seeing people, you know, they'll put up their phone and you can see people rocking animated, you know, like a virtual clothing, virtual shoes, walking in the street. You know, and then, you know, you look at some of these movies, even some of these old movies back in the day when they depict the way the future looks, people are walking around the streets and you see their name profiles come up on their head. You see like their advertisements coming up. You see like their, 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 um, their descriptions, you see their profiles. Like, and you see some of these old movies, it's just popping up, floating over people's heads while you're walking in the crowd. I think that that's going to be a huge part of, of the metaverse, not just what we think of the metaverse in a game, but outside real life metaverse. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think there's no doubt. I can't remember how many years ago, uh, but I would say probably five years ago. And I don't remember if it was like South by Southwest or what conference it was, but Mark Zuckerberg has said basically that everything that they were building up to this, up, when he said the quote five years ago, whatever, he said, everything we're doing is leading up to uh, an augmented world, an augmented reality, you know, and, and eyewear, physical, yeah. you know, I, eyewear, like it's coming, you know, Google glasses yeah. or whatever they, they tried. And I think they made a lot of mistakes in terms of how they rolled it out and, and maybe the world just wasn't ready for it. But yeah, bro, that, that, that stuff is coming. And people always, I hear people say a lot, like, I think AR is going to be a big deal. I think augmented reality is going to be a big deal. Like it is a big deal. We just see it usually on our screen versus like we're already in, in, on glasses. We're already in a metaverse. We've been in a metaverse for years. Social media is a 2D version of the metaverse. Video gaming is a 2D oh. version of the metaverse. TV is a 2D version of the metaverse. So you've already, you're being plugged you're already plugged in. It is just a, a, a different level of being plugged in. It's funny because it feels so natural talking to you with this thing on. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's only going to be more and more. I mean, it feels natural, be, I think, because like you're saying, we see it on TV. We see it on our, on our phone. We see it in Instagram stories. We see it on Snapchat. We see it on TikTok. Like, why wouldn't we see it walking around with a pair of digital glasses on very soon you know mm-hmm. you, now, 
Yeah. Now here's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Or go, I was no, gonna no, say, no, no, no. have you conducted business like this already? Wearing this, and how's how's the big reactions of that? Because I'm sure, like, as when you're doing segments like this or your performances, entertainment wise, people are probably easier, more accepted with it. But I believe more people are going to do business like this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, about like specifically business related calls. It's it kind of depends. You know, sometimes I'll I'll not use the mask to make it a more personal conversation, you know? And sometimes I wanna be more expressive with my face than this technology today allows me to be, you know? You have all, what's the, it's like you have 10,000 muscles to make a smile or something, whatever that thing, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? They yeah, always yeah. say like, oh, it takes X number of muscles to frown, X number of muscles to smile, blah, blah, blah. Um, this, this isn't that sensitive to my facial expressions, um, but, but I will say a lot of times I use the mask because I just have a feeling the person on the other end, they're going to like that. That's going to be a great icebreaker or, or, or maybe I'll use it for a few minutes and then I'll say, oh, let me take the mask off. You know? So, yeah, I, I think for real, for real, like there, I think it can be a great, uh, great way to like make a first impression depending on the other person. And I think that as time goes on, people will be more and more receptive to it, not less and less, you know? Now, with the different metaverses that we were talking about, since, you know, I do agree with you, there are going to be several different metaverses out there. And I think maybe possibly metaverses will replace, like, information as we see it today. Because think about it, if each metaverse has its own consolidation of information, you potentially could disrupt uh, search engines, right? Uh, YouTube, no, I'm sorry, not YouTube, um, was it Google, Yahoo, all these different search engines that are out there. You remove them. You might even have the dark, uh, dark metaverses, or like similar to a dark web. So, the, the issue I have with this is, where do we see this this trend going? You know, where do we see that these metaverses going? Is this something that we should be worried about? Do you think the governments are going to step in and try to make their own metaverse to consolidate power? You know, just spitballing here. Um, I, I mean, I guess for the most part. I don't know if I have a clear enough vision of the future to know how some of these issues will be different in web three than they are in web two. You know, we, we already have consolidation of information uh, in terms of sources, news sources. Um, and that was even true. Like before Google, you know, there, there have been three major media conglomerates in terms of like where you get your news and, and broadcast television and things like that for a long time. Um, so yes, I think it is a risk, you know, there is a risk that like, you'll go into Facebook's metaverse and you'll want to look for like, Hey, like I think in the future, you know, you, there will be, there'll be millions of people that go into meta, the Facebook metaverse, and they're looking for, uh, telehealth, you know, clinics or, or they, I need to get a doctor's visit booked in meta, you know, like I believe that's going to happen and it's going to happen sooner than a lot of us could imagine because the infrastructure is already there. Doctors already do telehealth. COVID advanced that tremendously. It's not a big leap as far as I could tell to, to create a little virtual world with a button that says click here, you know, to, to enter the waiting room and wait for a doctor to show up. Um, so the more centralized that, that entity is, the more centralized Facebook is, 
the more control they'll have over which doctors are available to you, right? Or, or which which different resources are going to show up when you go around searching in their in their platform. But I don't know if that's really a different fun, a fundamentally different thing than we experience right now when we use a platform like Facebook or when we use a platform like Google. You know, yeah. I only see more opportunity for decentralized groups and decentralized platforms to offer an alternative. Well, it's like, you know, when you go into like Meta and Google and, and, and Microsoft, some of these building their metaverses, now the conversations, are they going to be doing what you see some, some of these social media accounts are doing where they're preventing people from having some of that freedom of speech? You know, are you are you getting put in a metaverse jail? And now when you get into your metaverse right. goggles, you're literally in a, in a metaverse jail until whatever time you have to serve. Can that happen? Who knows? Let's take a step further. That could have possibly be like that. You know, when it comes to some of these, um, you know, more controlled uh you know, um, platforms like social media's companies that, that already have been doing that on social media. Who knows? Feels like Black Mirror, man. I don't know if you've seen that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be it can be very dystopian. Um, I, I guess the biggest change to me when I think about that dystopia versus today's dystopia is it'll just be that much more immersive, you know? Um, if, you know, my generation... I grew up, I, I remember, you know, I didn't have the internet until probably early high school or maybe late middle school, something like that. You know, I remember what it was like to like use a phone book, have a landline, write down directions before you left, you know, the house, that sort of thing. Um, today, there's a whole generation of people younger than me that they don't remember that sort of thing. And tomorrow, there will be a whole generation that doesn't remember um, using like, there'll be a whole generation that doesn't remember what it was like before virtual reality, before augmented reality, you know? So it's, to me, it's like the central, the, the risk of centralization is going down actually. It's just that the, the centralized platforms will become more immersive and that much more dangerous, I guess. You know? well, people are born into this stuff now, you know? Look at look at kids who know how to use their phones better than their parents. You know, like you get that happen, you know? So the way I look at all this stuff is I look at things as tools. I tell people all the time, you have to look at the things as tools to help you enhance your life, your lifestyle, your business, your communications, your network. I think the bigger problem is the people who are gonna use this as scapegoats to deal with their real life problems. And they're using this as scapegoats to hide and cover things that they're really going through and you know using this as as a tool to to just cope you know and i think that you're you're gonna see a lot of people use it that way too the same way people will use it for the benefit for actual growth scalability you know interaction networking which again there's gonna people use it as a tool and then people who use it as no this is my life this is how i deal with the shit i don't want to deal with outside in the real world i think that's where the problem is going to be with with the way people handle it and use it yeah, you know, you remind me, th this conversation reminds me of, um, man, this is, a lot of people probably don't like him in the NFT world because he definitely doesn't like Ethereum and, and stuff, but Max Kaiser, you know, Max Kaiser is a big time Bitcoin maximalist and, uh, and I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, but, but I do think Max Kaiser is entertaining. He talks about like, he calls it the casino gulag where like the economy is going to shit. We don't build anything anymore. The, the, the value of, of currency is getting hyperinflated. And in the future, 
we'll all just be at a desk or in a headset clicking on ads and, you know, playing fucking mobile games to earn, you know, government cheese, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. And, um, and I, I think, yeah, there, there's like you're saying, there's people that will use it to cope. There's people that have addictive personalities. There's people that go and, and they get a paycheck and they go immediately to the casino. Right. And, and you see them sitting at the casino and it's really depressing. Um, and, and now you'll be able to do or you already can. You can already do that and, and play, you know, online poker or whatever. And yeah. soon you and Should they got right virtual now, strip clubs out here. Virtual strip clubs. You could go to the Decentraland casinos right now, you know, and do all that. Um, and then play to earn, play to earn is, is interesting. It's exciting. Um, it's revolutionary, but it it also can be kind of depressing to think about because it can start to resemble that casino gulag thing where like, yeah, we really don't create, we don't manufacture a lot of physical goods anymore, you know, and, um, and the economy is in trouble potentially. And, and, um, and people do need to, it is kind of dystopian to think that there are all these people in the world that their best opportunity to earn a living for themselves is to play video games. Like that's cool for the people that really want that. But for a lot of people, it's like, that's, that's, that's not like an ideal situation necessarily. No. You know? And the problem is it, we're already seeing it right now. Like look at Tesla. Elon's trying to get his people back into the office. Yeah. Um, even us, we're trying to hire staff and no one wants to work in uh, the office. Everyone wants to go and work digitally. You know, it goes back to what Anthony said, accountability. How are you going to hold those people accountable? You lose culture. Um, we're already heading towards that. And like, like you said, we don't produce anything here anymore. And now the youth, if you ask anybody that's below the age of 18 or even in 2021 20, or even my age, um, they all want to do YouTube, be an influencer. become be an, an influencer, influencer. want to be a they want to do a bunch of things on the internet. They don't want to do manual labor. And it's funny because I was watching something on Natural Geographic. Like this, uh, this guy owns like a Jewish deli. And he's saying that this old man has been there for 40 years. Tapped him on the back and said, man, he's been there. And the guy's proud about doing it. And I looked at him. I'm like, man, not one single young person that's American will do that type of work. And probably even across the globe, they won't even do that type of work. And it's sad because you are right. I think we're already entering the dystopia. COVID pushed us into this. Yeah five years but launched us five years into the future because now it's all about purpose right. the the kid that 40 year old that guy's been there for 40 years put a kid in there he's gonna be like oh this is purposeless i'm gonna be cutting deli meat no i don't want to do that and then right. who's gonna fill in that workload exactly so where do you where do you see because i look at all this stuff, i find it very interesting i feel like you need these things you have to evolve with technology i'm a big person look i've used social media myself it's a big tool of mine for business for relationship for growth and I think it's great, but at the same time, I know it's a very uh, a tool that can be very dark, and it can take people a lot of places you don't want to go. So for you, like, where do you feel like there's that fine line of like, how do, would you recommend the youth and other people to use these platforms um, to make sure that, well, number one, they're happy with themselves. Most importantly, um, they're making sure that they're using this correctly for for the people, for the the businesses they want to impact, for the people they want to meet, and the people around them. And, and making sure they don't fall into a hole that's going to be harder to crawl out of later that can c- create some of these problems we were talking about. Um, you know, I think, I think you got to just try to stay grounded, you know, understand who you are, what drives you, uh, what your principles are as an individual, you know, because it's very easy for anybody on the internet 
to go on and and just say hurtful things or say things to influence you and you have a lot of times you have no idea what this person's actual background is what their resume is if they're trustworthy if they are experienced or know anything about what they're saying to be in a position to offer you criticism or feedback or judgment you know um so and that that's the thing for people to to, that's the thing people have struggled with you know especially young people all the time you know people get bullied in school in, in a physical setting in an IRL setting um, imagine how much easier it is to, to decide to be a bully in a virtual setting yep. you know cyberbullying obviously is a crazy uh, thing 100%. that's real. 100% so it's a real it's already a real problem and it's only going to get worse because all of a sudden you know as, as we go from 2D to 3D, as we go from Web 2 to Web 3, people can be more anonymous and they can be more engaging in the sense of like, I can literally get up in your face in the metaverse. You know what I mean? So I think you just got to stay grounded. You got to remember this is all just pixels on a screen and it can be a lot of smoke and mirrors. You're here on the internet. Um, and, and stay true to yourself, you know, stay true to your principles and you have to, you have to have self-esteem and, and it's, it's self-esteem. It comes from within and um, this doesn't need to be your life 24-7. You can step away from the screen, go outside, touch the grass and uh, you can let the real universe, the IRL universe, help you stay grounded and centered. 100%, man. 100%. Hey, 100%. And I wanted to shift topic here real quick and ask you about what are your thoughts on the NFT market right now? Do you think it's going to rebound? Do you think that with everything going on, they're talking about recession fears and depression and all this stuff going on in the media. You think there's people are going to reallocate their money and put it back into the crypto space, NFT space? So like, what's your thoughts on that? So number one, I think 98% of the NFTs that are out there right now in the long run, I don't think they're going to be worth anything. You know, that's number one. I would say there's a few, there are going to be a few winners and there's going to be a lot of losers in terms of NFTs and what you want to have in your wallet. You know, um, there's a lot of hype out there right now. And a lot of these projects won't be around in a few years. Yeah. The, the developers will move on to something else or they'll disappear or whatever. Um, but there'll be tremendous opportunity for those winners for that one or 2% you know, that, that are sustainable and have longevity, but there'll be huge opportunities. Um, in terms of the market in the immediate future, I, I, I worry more about the global economy than I do about like NFTs specifically, you know, the, the whole, this whole thing is, uh, the whole global economy to me is, is basically a Ponzi scheme. We live in a world full of kleptocracies where governments and officials and politicians are really just paid to steal from us. Um, sometimes they steal from us in ways that are very obvious. Sometimes it's less obvious and it's just them printing money. You know, when they print money, they're diluting the money that you and I already have in the bank or under the mattress, you know. So that's a very clever way to, to steal, to steal value from us is to print more money. Um, and I think it, I think it eventually will reach a tipping point. You know, um, I don't think like 
I live in the U.S. I don't think housing prices can go up forever. You know, um, the, the 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 cost of everything is going crazy. Obviously, price of gas, um, inflation, the the effects of inflation or the actual level of inflation that the officials tell you about is not accurate. It's not really representative. It's been going on for a long time. That's what scares me more than like the NFT market volume going down or things like that. Cause I think in the long run, we're at such an early stage of NFTs that like, it's a great, I think it's a great place to be right now, you know, but if the whole global economy crashes, <laughs> that sort of, that can, that could very quickly change my outlook for NFTs for the near term and the medium term. So Go, go. Sorry about that. I wanted to ask you something because you sparked something in my mind. The, the last thing I would say is just that all that being said, I don't know anywhere where I would rather have my money than in crypto. Um, and as a derivative of that, also NFTs, just because in the long run, um, if the economy does go to go to hell, I do think crypto will be a lifeboat for a lot of people. And ultimately, I think profits from crypto profits from Ethereum, a lot of people would eventually put those into NFTs. So I think there will be, if the, if the global economy really has a breakdown, there'll be, there'll be pain for everybody, but I think crypto is as good a place to, to try to wait it out as anywhere. So there's a, I don't know if it's a, well, not conspiracy, but there's a thought out there from a lot of top people that have been talking about it, that they feel that everything that's going on, the, the money printing that's been happening the inflation, everything that's it's purposely being done to get us prepared for a currency crash of the dollar so then they can implement their digital currency because it's already been out there in the ether that the Federal Reserve already wants to start getting a digital dollar already out there. And the more you look into it and you start reading what's happened, you know, um, they took us off the gold standard back um, with, with FDR. Yeah. Um, they transitioned us to paper. And now there's a shift happening within our digital, well, within our currency paper, and, you know, they're saying, I don't know what you think, but it seems possible that they might crash the, the dollar so that they can move and transition us into the digital. Um, so I, I'm a little, I guess, normally I, I really, I, I do like, my brain does think in terms of the elites are out to get us. That, that, my brain does think like that a lot of the time. Um, they're out for power and, and they don't care about us and they work together. They collaborate. They all go to the country club and golf together and in the boardrooms and they figure out how they're going to get a leg up on us. I do think like that. Um, but what I would say is I'm a little skeptical that the people like the federal reserve, uh, you know, the, the leaders of the federal reserve, the chairman and all that, I'm a little skeptical that they're that smart to really think through this. I really just think they're just, well, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I just I feel like they're crashing. I feel like they've lost control of the markets simply because they're they were never smart enough or equipped to to control the markets. You know that that's my personal thing. I don't know that it's necessarily them conspiring to to crash the market. I think they're plenty dumb enough to to do that on accident. You know, um, and and. Ultimately, I don't necessarily think that they would need a huge excuse to transition us to a digital dollar. 
most people don't use cash anymore. I, I don't know about the numbers. I don't, I don't want to say most people don't use cash anymore, but I think enough people are transitioning towards mobile payments, you know, using Apple Pay and things like that, Google Wallet. Um, and of course, people have been using debit cards and credit cards for a long time that I th- and, and the, do- the dollar is already so digital, you know, I think that they could transition and sell it to the public, um, a digital dollar. I think they could do that without crashing the economy. I think that a lot of times we think of a digital dollar as something that has a finite supply like Bitcoin, but I don't think a digital dollar will necessarily have a finite supply. I think they're literally going to take their, their same sort of money printing ways and their same sort of fiat philosophies into the digital world. You know, that's what I think they want to do with a digital dollar. And I don't necessarily think they would need a big excuse or a black swan event in order to sell that to the public. So Spotty for you, you know, as we wrap things up, I want to ask you, um, in about five to 10 years, where do you see the economy and the market being like, as far as like, what do you feel that's going to happen? And then what do you want it to happen? What do you want it to be? Like, what, where would you like to see it? Man, this is a fun conversation because I'm not an economist and I, I usually just get asked about music. So it's cool. Um, but I would say just take, take my thoughts on this with a grain of salt, you know, but, um, Everyone's winging it, bro. So don't even. <laughs> <worry. Everybody's laughs> um, I mean, I do, th- I, I do think it's inevitable that at some point something has to give. Like you can't just print your way out of the debt that we're in. So I think it is possible in the next ten years. You know, there'll be a a depression. You know, not not just a recession, but like a, a depression. You know, I think that's possible. I think hyperinflation really could be could come. You know, I, I really look, man. You know, think about a generation ago. You know, I remember going um, looking at houses with my parents. You know, in let's call it like twenty years ago. You know, if and, and we were like a lower middle class family, right? If, if we were going to look at a hundred thousand dollar house, it was a nice house, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's not a mini mansion, not, not, not like today, but, but it was a nice house. Like a hundred thousand would get you a nice house in Rockford, Illinois, where I grew up. Um, I don't know what, what the prices are in Rockford right now. I just know that for most of the people of my generation, like we can't even pay off our student debt, let it's alone crazy, buy a house. Man. It's crazy. Let, let alone buy a house, you know? Um, buying a car, bro. Well, now it's crazy with the supply chain because of COVID and everything. You can't even find a car, let alone buy a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so in, in the next 10 years, bro, it could be, it, it could be like crypto, bro. Crypto. I think it's very possible that the people that have crypto right now will be, it will act like a lifeboat for what's coming. I think it's super possible. Um, and I just hope that, um, I hope I'm wrong about that. You know, I hope somehow we, the people that are way smarter than me figure out how to save the current system. Um, but I don't know how, I don't know how you just print money and get out of, out of debt that way. Well, Spotty, I, I gotta say, brother, I appreciate the value, the insight, the creativity that you've brought in, 
you know, for yourself and, and for many others and for today on the podcast, brother. And I just want to say thank you so much. I know thank Brian you, might, might want to say something else too, but just personally, thank you for, for coming on here and, uh, you know, sharing your time with us. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's a super fun conversation. It's great to speak with you. Same, brother. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? SpottyWiFi.com, man. And on all social platforms, it's just at SpottyWiFi. Love it. P-O-T-T-I-E. Awesome. You guys heard that. And in one single sentence, brother, what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today? Believe in yourself and do your own research. Amen. Boom. You guys heard it. Make sure to believe in yourself, do your own research, and then apply. Guys, if you got value out of this podcast, I'd appreciate if you go ahead, show Spotty some love, grab something you learned from today, put it into application right now, not tomorrow, not the next day, but right now so that we can start changing your life and moving forward. And if you did get value, please like, comment, subscribe, share, rate, review, because the more love you show us, the more love we can show back. Till next time on the Sweat It Out podcast. Spotty. The recording has stopped.